Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. This episode of 1514 is brought to you by the BCC's Building Bridges Campaign. Help us build unity by creating connection in the biblical counseling world by supporting us monthly. Go to biblicalcc.org, click on the donate button, and sign up to support us today. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of 1514. As always, I want to express my appreciation for our audience. I want to say a special thank you to those who came up and introduced yourselves to us at the ACBC and CCF conference. Had the chance to hear from a number of you who listen to the podcast regularly, and it was such a joy and encouragement to my heart and also to our team to hear different people expressing how our ministry has been a blessing to you. If you haven't done so already, jump online and give us a rating, share a review on whatever podcast platform you get this. And be sure to tell somebody else about the ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. We're in the midst of our Building Bridges campaign, and that's a a fall through year-end giving campaign to try to rebuild and and further build the foundation of monthly giving that we rely on to do the ministry that we do. We're a nonprofit, and like all nonprofits, we are dependent on people who generously give to support the ministry that we have. And we're specifically targeting and asking people to to become regular givers. You can, of course, send a special gift if you want to send us a one-time gift. That's great. But we're really trying to build up our goal of reaching $3,200 of monthly support that we need to add to our budget to continue the ministry of building unity in the biblical counseling world. And that's why we call it the Building Bridges Campaign, because we're really highlighting the mission that we have of connecting people, connecting leaders in the biblical counseling movement so that we work together together to build this in the body of Christ and to really minister to people all across the world through God's word. Today, you'll get to hear an interview that I did with Dr. Robert Jones, who's a BCC council member, as well as Dr. Kristen Kellen. And they were authors on the recent book, The Gospel for Disordered Lives, an Introduction to Christ-Centered Biblical Counseling. Dr. Rob Green, who's also a BCC council member, also helped contribute to the book, uh, but he wasn't able to join us for the interview. So you'll hear a little bit more about the book, what it entails, what it is, but I was just encouraged uh, to hear from both Dr. Jones and Dr. Kellen, their heart behind the book, the methodology that went into writing it, how collaborative it was and back and forth. And it's really interesting to see a book that it has different authors working on different chapters, but still maintain such a unified, cohesive voice and vision throughout the book. It is a unique introduction to biblical counseling textbook that I think lots of colleges and seminaries will pick up and utilize for years to come. And as well, those who are training in local churches or counseling ministries, I'd encourage you to check out this book as a potential resource for you in your training ministry. Thanks again so much for listening to 1514. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, thank you for joining me today on 1514. I have two guests with me, and we're going to start ladies first. Uh, Kristen, could you introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. My name is Kristen Kellen. I am an assistant professor of biblical counseling here at Southeastern Seminary. And our other guest today is Dr. Bob Jones, BCC council member. Dr. Jones, could you introduce yourself to us? 
Yes. Uh, yeah. Robert Jones. Uh, friends call me Bob. I uh, teach at, at South at Southern at the Southern Baptist Theological <laughs> Seminary. You used to teach at Southeastern, so yeah, I know um, that's still in your mind quite a bit. Uh, well, very good. Today we're getting together and we're talking about the book that you both wrote together. You had a third author, Rob Green, and the book is entitled The Gospel for Disordered Lives, An Introduction to Christ-Centered Biblical Counseling. What led you to write this book? There's a long history to this. A former colleague of mine, when I was at Southeastern, uh, he and I came up with this idea back way back in 2009, and we contracted early on with uh, B&H Academic to do this as a textbook to get into the colleges and seminaries of the Southern Baptist Convention. We did not, very little on it in the early years. Eventually, my colleague left me hanging. Uh, I did nothing with it for a few more years, but uh, maintained the uh, contact, uh, contract. And uh, just a couple of years ago now, I uh, renegotiated and uh, resumed things with B&H Academic, and they gave me the freedom to approach uh, two different people. And so I approached uh, both Kristen and then Rob Green, Rob Green, who is at Faith Church in Lafayette, Indiana, and Faith Seminary, and teaches there and is a pastor in the area of counseling particularly. Yeah, that's fantastic. It is a little weird to say that 2009 was so long ago, but I guess it was. So why... Why now in particular? What was the catalyst that got you back to writing this and connecting with Kristen and Rob to, to write it now in 20? Well, I'm sure it has been written over the last couple of years, but being released in 2021. Well, we all three of us, as, and as, as I approached my uh, fellow writers here, I wanted a one-stop introduction book that we could use in our classrooms but also that would have a broader use by churches, pastors, small group leaders to truly give an introduction to the whole field of biblical counseling. So we saw the need in our classroom, but we also saw the need within the publishing world for such a book that is truly an introduction to the field. No, that's great. And Kristen, what made you say yes to this writing project when, when Dr. Jones reached out and said, hey, I want to write this book, would you help out? Yeah, great question. I think I would just echo some of those things. I, I recognize that when I teach intro to counseling courses, we were in some ways piecing together resources. So we have fantastic resources, right? We're not trying to replace our Pallison or Welch text or others, uh, but there wasn't one book that covered theory and practice. It was kind of niche type books. And so I saw that this need was there. I teach those courses to have a little bit of a vested interest in, in meeting that need. But it was just exciting at that, uh, that prospect of finding one text that addresses all those things. Yeah, there's some, I mean, some texts that take a shot at it. And obviously there's books called Introduction to Biblical Counseling out there. How is this one distinct? What did you include in this that maybe, and like you said, we're not trying to bag on those books, but what was missing in those that re you wanted to make sure got incorporated into your text? You know, one of the uh, books that I've thought about for a decade, uh, more, more than that, actually, is a book written by uh, Gary Collins, uh, who would take a more integrationistic approach to this field. And in many ways, uh, the book all along was trying to do something similar in the BC world, as Kristen just said, uh, combining both theory and, and, and practice, as well as topics. We wanted to have a book that would yeah, really cover the basics. Again, this is an introductory book. There, we recommend other resources within it that would specialize on the different topics. But in terms of introductory book, we did want something that would cover that field that would um, yeah, again, give theory and, and practice to it. So I think that's one, one thing that makes it distinct 
And I think the, uh, the outline, the five part outline, and then the other thing that makes it distinct in my mind is the three of us working together very closely in ways uh, Curtis, you know, if I, and maybe all of us have done some co-writing, but there isn't necessarily going to be a lot of dialogue going on, and we might be assigned chapters and things like that. But we did a lot of a lot of dialoguing together. No, that's really that's really great, and that was one of my questions: is why write together? Why not, Doctor Jones? You had this brainchild back in two thousand nine. You wanted to write it with a colleague, but then that person pulled out. Why didn't you just charge forward and do it yourself? What what makes it better? does it add having multiple authors contribute? Well, well, first of all, you know, different seminaries. So we, I wasn't, I intentionally didn't go to a colleague, for example, I wanted to get involvement from other seminaries, other perspectives. We wanted uh, men and women. So male and female uh, writers, we thought that was important to this task. And I, I think what they brought to the table was really helpful for me personally. And I'd like to think vice versa as well. We really did sharpen each other. So what we did, each of us, was to write um, draft chapters. Each one of us were assigned to do that. And then we carefully edited each other. All three of us looked at each chapter. And if you were to compare the initial draft that each one of us submitted to the final product, you would see some changes, sometimes significant changes that came about because we were carefully thinking about and editing uh, each other. Now, editing, not just for content, you know, things that maybe we missed, but style and tone, anticipating objections that we might have from those to the left or to the right. I think it was a helpful process. No, that's, that's really good. And I, obviously, we were talking about that a little bit before this being the podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. I love collaborative works and bringing people together and and doing those kind of things. So, so it's exciting to see the fruit of working together and that what we present as a group of believers uh, to the church for the service of Christ is oftentimes going to be better than what we do if we just try to go it, our, go it alone. You mentioned before, Bob, the five-part breakdown of the main sections of the book. Uh, maybe, Christian, could you tell our audience about those? What are the five sections? Yeah, so we have, as you said, Curtis, five separate sections here. The first one uh, is we go into some introductory matters just to set up the book, defining what is biblical counseling, who does counseling, where that happens, some of those foundational topics. Uh, and then we move into part two, theological foundations. So things like epistemology and anthropology. Uh, how do we understand the really the foundational concepts that will flow into our counseling practice. That's part two. Part three, uh, we really wanted to provide a, a process or a, a method, if you will, for counseling to lay out for counselors, what do they walk through? What steps do they go through in helping others? How do they enter the counselee's world? How do they understand what the problems are? How do they bring God's word to bear and the gospel to bear on their situation? How do we use homework? Those sorts of topics there, the, the methods, the process of counseling. Then our last two sections, the fourth section dealt with individual problems. So this is where a large part of the book is going through different 
topics, different areas that are common areas of struggle. So a lot of things that we would think of off the top of our head, anxiety, depression, sadness, grief, those sorts of things. We also have several chapters on sexual sin because those are common problems that we encounter in biblical counseling. Uh, We have a section on physical illness and medical treatment. How do we deal with that? And then lastly, part five, uh, we walked through four different chapters on human development. And so how, how does a person in a particular stage of life view the world? What sorts of issues might they encounter and what, maybe what nuances we might apply in their specific situation. And that was really a unique approach in some ways. There aren't a lot of human development texts out there. There's a few now, uh, but we wanted to add that in as well uh, because there are some differences if a child's dealing with something versus an older adult, right? So brought that into play. No, I was really excited about that section because I, I've taught a class here at Boyce College called uh, Counseling Through the Lifespan. And finding a text that addressed all of those was very difficult. And so I kept prodding Dr. Jones to get it done because <laughs> for those, you know, full disclosure, we live four minutes from each other and, and his wife and mine get to go for walks regularly. So I got to a, kind of a rear view backseat view of this writing process, which was really encouraging too, to see, see that fleshing out. I'm curious from both of you, which are your favorite sections or maybe aspect of the book, you know, you know, maybe a chapter or just something that the overall product, what was your favorite thing about this book? For me, it was the breadth and the territory we tried to cover as, as Kristen said, that whole flow there, uh, things that I don't necessarily see in, in introductory books sometimes. So even in the part about process and, and methods, uh, counseling non-Christians, uh, ethical legal issues, we, we included that kind of thing as well. And then there's about, uh, what, 16 or so individual problems. We just covered, I mean, there was no major issue Within individuals, now we chose deliberately for the length of this book not to try to get into relational issues and not to try to get into marriage counseling and things like that. But in terms of the most common problems, we just felt we covered a lot of that material that was really helpful. Yeah, uh, definitely did that. Kristen, how about you? What was your favorite part? Yeah, I I think, too, it's hard for me to choose. I I like that we build the foundation and then we get to practice. So it, it, we lay the foundation of theory and then there's clear connections between the topics or the issues and what we taught in earlier chapters. So when you have separate books, sometimes that's really hard to draw those lines or see those threads, uh, but they're clear in this text. You can see in the topic chapters how we're referring back to earlier ones. Another one, though, is what we just talked about is the human development aspect. Um, I'm also teaching this semester class on developmental issues through the lifespan. And my main textbook is a secular textbook. We, we simply don't have exhaustive resources on that topic. Uh, and so I think it's helpful to have that knowing that this book, at least here at Southeastern, will be a textbook for our intro to biblical counseling class that all of our MDiv students will take. Our pastors will get trained on human development. Even if it's just four chapters, they're going to get that. I think that's really important. 
Yeah, you're. I mean, that was one of the things that was nice too about the writing, the back and forth writing that you guys did. It wasn't because there are some obviously the BCC. We have a trilogy of books that have multiple authors on it, but there wasn't always the back and forth, back and forth between people on the chapters. And that was one of the things that stands out in this book is it's not like uh, each of you took your chapters, wrote them, submitted them, and there's no overlap. There's a lot of referring back to. I was reading your trauma chapter, and you're going back to the six-box basic structure that you talk about in the beginning, kind of the methodology of change and theory of change. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. it there's a cohesion as well as a collaboration uh, with this book that is, I think, is a unique aspect of it too. So very cool. We are entering a new phase of the 2021 Building Bridges campaign. Last month, we highlighted the past ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, sharing BCC classics on our blog, and rebroadcasting the history of the Biblical Counseling Coalition podcasts. In this new phase, we will share about the current ministry of the BCC and how God is using our ministry now. Help us continue our mission of creating connections to foster unity in the biblical counseling world. You can join the Building Bridges campaign by signing up for a recurring monthly gift at biblicalcc.org. One of the things I also really liked is it's theoretical and practical, but it's not its not like you left theory in the early parts and then it's just all the practical stuff. It's kind of interwoven in every chapter as well. Even that's that middle section of the, the process and methods of biblical counseling, there's very practical things that you talk about, like the ethical and legal issues, but also there's still a lot of theory and development going on in, in all those chapters. So I, that was, those are a couple of things that I really liked about the book. So what, which parts did you think were particularly challenging, if there were any particularly challenging parts? I think the challenge of having uh, one voice, and, and I appreciate your comments, Curtis, because we aimed to try to have that kind of cohesion that you talked about. I remember the, my first conversation with Rob when I called him about asking him to consider this, he said, Bob, how are we going to make this one voice? That was his big concern. And he really helped us through that process to keep thinking along those lines. That would be one of the challenges. Of course, the other challenge is we, we do have different backgrounds and uh, different emphases and trainings. And, you know, we have a collaboration here uh, where we don't think identically. There are some differences that came out there and we had to work through those differences to produce a kind of collaboration. And I think it was fun for me. Now my my poor co-writer Kristen here is the one who had to endure uh, delays in me getting back to her. She was the quick one. Rob and I were much slower and we had to, you know, she had to wait on us to get back to her on that. And but yeah, we did a lot of uh, editing, uh, you know, Kristen and I particularly along the way. So I found that challenging and fruitful at the same time. Yeah, well, I mean, just just like a lot of things in life, the things that are going to bear the most fruit are inherently challenging. They're hard, so that's that's a, an aspect of it. And for those who are BCC partners, we're going to have an after show where we talk about the writing process a little bit more. And you guys, I would like to hear a little bit more of your back and forth on the strength and value of writing together in that process, what that looks like. So BCC partners, be on the lookout for that as well. When... You decided to sit down and write these five sections. How did you choose those five? What was the thought process behind those five and, and maybe not other things that you could have included? 
Well, the the outline has actually been around for a long time. We did end up tweaking it as uh, moved in with uh, Kristen and Rob, and the, the the tweaking involved a little bit of where their passions and their strengths um, c- could be found, where their expertise, and so we tried to do some divvying up of the individual chapters uh, based on based on that. And you and you do that breakdown in the. In the early part, it was a little, I'll be honest, a little hard as one who's going to try to cite different things. In the intro, you have a list of all the chapters each of you wrote next to your name, <laughs> but each, t- each chapter doesn't have, it doesn't have your name by it. So a uh, little tip there, if you're going to get this book and cite it, you need to flag that, that page in the introduction there. Um, now, that was by design, Curtis. We wanted to have a unity and a collaboration in such a way that we didn't have individually signed chapters in the table of contents or in the chapters themselves. But we did put it in introductions for citation purposes, but also, honestly, to give a little bit of uh, plausible deniability, if you will. If there's something that I said that Kristen wouldn't say it quite that way and people might uh, attack Kristen for that or vice versa, You know, she can say, well, that's not the way I would have said it, but uh, it was a collaborative effort. And uh, I think it's good what uh, each of us wrote. And uh, so I can defend very easily every single chapter quite easily, even though it might not be the exact emphases or nuance that I would bring to those chapters. So intentionally points to the collaboration, because, I mean, while one person might have put the big chunk of the chapter down first, it was a group effort in the final uh, shaping of those chapters. Is that kind of what I'm getting? Yes. Yeah. Even to the point of it being tedious of asking, hey, let's you know look at it one more time and that kind of thing. Uh, Curtis, you know me. Kristen has gotten to know me that, uh, you know, I can be pretty picky and, uh, yeah, obsessive on things. So uh, I hope it produces a good book. You have very, very, very uh, specific thoughts on a lot of things. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> Kristen, you mentioned earlier the fact that you will assign this, this book will be assigned as the introductory level uh, for master's level classes. What other audiences do you hope, obviously seminary classes, training people in biblical counseling, any other audiences you hope to reach with this book? In my mind, I, I think of the counselor or the lay elder uh, who is knee deep in counseling and hasn't gotten any formal training, right? So just in the last few years, we've started requiring an intro to counseling class here as part of the MDiv. We have MA students, we have former graduates who they get into ministry and they realize, oh, wow, <laughs> people are broken, right? Uh, life is hard. And so just to have a resource that they can see from, from A to Z, it, it covers a whole, whole lot that they can pick up and and be pointed to even other resources that are available. Mm -hmm. The pastor, the lay elder, um, who again, finds himself doing counseling, maybe unintentionally or unplanned, uh, that this is there for them. No, that's really helpful. And I think in the intro, you've you've targeted it to undergraduate and graduate programs, master's level programs. Uh, But like you said, and and Bob, I can't remember where I heard it first. It might have been you. I've never met a pastor who wished they had taken less counseling courses in seminary. <laughs> uh, so if you if that was you and you only took one, this would be a great uh, resource to have on your shelf to to point to that. And and I love the fact too, 
I, I, part of me honestly went back and forth with all the different topics because you can't go super in depth on each one in something like this. And it's intentionally an introduction, but the fact that you include other resources, so it really functions almost like a bibliography of like, here's, here's the basics. Uh, here's so, some really important information you need to know when somebody comes in who's wrestling with this, 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 or this. And here's, uh, here's where else you can go to get deeper information. So that's part of the reason this is a really helpful tool for, for people to use. It's a tool. Our books are tools in, a, in our toolbox for sure. And this one points you to other tools to grab a hold of as well. So uh, very good. And, and, you know, for us, Curtis, the challenge at that point was to limit ourselves because we had to cut back and we had work limits that we imposed upon us. And uh, it ended up being a longer book than we originally planned. But that's because we had to uh, cover a lot of material, but we had to keep chopping. Oh, absolutely. I know because you and, and Rob, had, I think you've all written books on other topics. And I know that can be a hard thing to do when you know there's a lot more that you have said or could say on a particular thing. So I think it's a well-edited resource there. I like, I love the name and also appreciate you putting in the, in the introduction, why you chose the name. Would one of you mind sharing with us why the gospel for disordered lives? Well, I'll start. I think the idea of disordered lives comes from two places. One is uh, obviously the DSM manual and thinking about uh, psychiatric disorders and us wanting to present a Christ-centered biblical perspective on that. And then the fact that uh, from the fall, when one lens through which you can look at the whole Christian redemptive story from the fall is the disorder. God created an ordered world and uh, sin has disordered it. And so we're longing for that final day in which all order will be brought back. In the meantime, the gospel speaks into disordered lives. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that that explanation for the title. And I know, Bob, you're striving for order in all things already. So <laughs> I'm sure Kristen can attest to that in, in writing as well. Well, the we're towards the end. Any last thoughts that things that maybe I didn't prompt you to say that you'd like to share with our audience about this book and an encouragement to get it, utilize it? I think for me, um, and we, we touched on this a few minutes ago, that there are tons of resources mentioned in this book. We, we recognized as we wrote that we could not write an exhaustive text, right? We were cutting and pulling things out to keep it manageable. Uh, but it really is a launching pad for knowing where to go to find solid resources. Now, every book that's listed, we won't agree with every single word in every book, but uh, it's certainly we felt comfortable recommending those those texts. Uh, so for the counselor who or the pastor who picks up this book, um, I would encourage them not to stop with this book, right? Look at the things that we've recommended uh, and use that as fuel to learn more and grow more and practice more. Um, in their own their own counseling. I couldn't say it better than what Kristen said. I would uh, extend to not just to uh, counselors who are biblical counselors, but there are Christian counselors who maybe have more of an integrationist approach who nevertheless could find some help on how to think biblically, even if their essential model might be differently different, because we we do talk about what the scripture teaches on a number of, of passages. And then I think of all those small group leaders out there who are, as Kristen said, you know, kind of knee deep in, in issues and uh, yeah, be very helpful to them. We believe. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's one of those books that is both a cover to cover read where you could sit down 
read it straight through and the cohesion really helps you track with it all the way through. But it's also a reference where you'll have it on your shelf and periodically be able to refer back to them like, wait a minute, what was I supposed to do in this situation? Or So I highly encourage our audience to, to check out this book. Um, even if you have lots of other Introduction to Biblical Counseling books, it's it's good to keep learning, keep reading, uh, keep growing in the it is a unique one for sure with the, the collaborative effort that you guys put in on it. Um, it is unique and I haven't seen anything quite like it yet. So I'm really excited about it. Well, the last two minutes of, of this section of the podcast is called two minute favorites. There's two of you. So do we want to go four minutes and you guys bounce it back and forth? Or you want to go uh, two minutes on one, two minutes on the other. I'm going to give you the option. Your call, Kristen. We haven't discussed this either way. Let's just see how it goes. All right. Well, I'll, what I'll do is I'll, we'll set it for uh, four minutes. Here we go. Four minute favorites starting now. What is your favorite food? Ice cream. Easily. Sh- shrimp and broccoli, Chinese shrimp and broccoli, which I'm going to have tonight because my wife is out of town. <laughs> favorite color? Carolina blue. <laughs> blue, non-Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> favorite uh Favorite word? Compassion. All that's coming to my mind is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I don't know why. Mary Poppins throwback. All right. There you go. <laughs> she's she's a woman of few words, but they're long. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Least favorite word? Hate. My kiddos. Uh, I'm going to say hate. Just I, I like what she said. I'm Yeah. All right. Favorite sport? It's between basketball and soccer for me. I think basketball or football. If you're in North Carolina, you have to say basketball. Right? I, I know. Uh, and I went to Carolina, so I, I should say basketball. <laughs> All right. Favorite sports team then? Tar Heels. West Virginia Mountaineers, Green Bay Packers, Boston Celtics, New York Yankees. Should I keep going, Curtis? Great. Well, there you go. One for every team. So, All right, Kristen. Favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, chocolate chip cookie dough from Baskin Robbins. All right. Bob, favorite ice cream flavor? <laughs> Chocolate chip mint from anywhere. Favorite candy? Uh, Nutrageous candy bar. Yeah, Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm. Uh, favorite book of the Bible? Haggai. I've been in Hebrews a lot, so I'm going to say Hebrews. All right. Favorite book outside of Scripture? Packers Knowing God, perhaps. Hard answer. Yeah, I'm not sure that I, I have an answer. The Gospel for Disordered Lives. We'll say that. <laughs> uh, favorite, if you had one superpower, any superpower, what superpower would you choose? Uh, I'm going to tell you what I told my five-year-old the other night, uh, that I would want to be able to change into any animal that I wanted to, because then I could fly or swim or hide or any of those things. All right. To transport myself somehow so I didn't have to spend time driving and traveling and get to North Carolina to see my sons and granddaughters and all that. Preach it. All right. Uh, Favorite gift you've ever received? My grandfather's Bible. A packet of letters from Vision of Hope in Lafayette, uh, written by some of those who are residents there after reading one of my, after reading my uprooting anger book and having worked through that. And these are troubled uh, women, as I think would be a fair phrase. And they sent 
the the, the leader there sent me mm-hmm. about 15 of these letters and I just wow. wept. Mm. Favorite gift you've ever given? My grandmother's diamond that was put into my wedding ring for my wife, my mm. wife's wedding ring that came from my grandmother. Um, I would say every year we put together memory books for all of my kids' grandparents about the last year. And I really love giving those. Oh, those are fantastic. And that wraps up our time together. Thanks so much for uh, sharing a little bit of yourselves with us. Thanks so much for writing this book. And thanks for being with us on 1514 today. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.